Oh boy, guys, I got the story for you. What is it? What is it? Okay, so you know it's the it's the month of love, February. So mm-hmm. This crazy stalker sent me a message, oh. like it was a it was a coded message on ScreenRant.com. I didn't know that they they knew that I went there, but this person whose initials are JG, um, they sent me this letter. They said, "Dear DC fans." I'm is that happy. their nickname for you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They know me. Right? They say, okay. They say, um, we are happy to tell you that we are coming out with the following movies. Swamp Thing, Brave and the Bold, Superman Legacy, uh, Superwoman, or Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, and these movies will be coming out And they open up the swamp thing? That's odd. Thought it was strange, but that's so sus from the beginning already. This is what I I think this stalker (laughs) is trying to lure me out with obviously fake movies so that they can nab me and tie me to a love bed. Yeah. Um that could be the misery 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 to your ankles. Yeah. Yeah. The the only reason that this would exist whoever this JG is, is to, to, to trap me and to die me. Okay. Okay. Mike, Mike, we went through this before when you thought the big show was dead. You can't just assume things on the internet. You're talking about the press conference that James Gunn had earlier. The, the guardians of the galaxy guy. What, what does he have to do with DC? Yeah. yeah right. Adam. Nice uh, try. Yeah. Besides the fact that he directed the suicide squad. Uh, no, no, not the one with Will Smith. Nice try. Nice uh, try. This JG, which I'm guessing stands for Jamie or, you know, Jamila. Um, this person's trying to con me. They're they're using these fake, beautiful movie titles to get me to meet in a, uh, a lone location and then nab me. No, no, it really is James Gunn. Remember Suicide Squad with John Cena? Um, First of all, his name is Rick Flagg, and he hasn't done any wrestling, Adam. I think you're confused. Are, do you think the WWE is DC? That happened to me once. Mike. Mike although, Mike. although you, you are, you, wait, he is on to something. There are a lot of wrestlers that keep popping up in DC. I don't know. We, oh. need, to, like, we need to follow this thread. Yeah. Well, here's, here's how I know my stalker knows me. Yeah. Okay. They, wrote at the, they wrote at the bottom, you will see Black Adam later, too. Adam, how did they know your name, and how did they know your type of humor? Mike, Mike, that's a movie with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, right, and you're going to tell me I can just go on HBO and see Dwayne the Rock Johnson being one of my favorite DC characters? Oh, Everyone knows that that would be yeah. the, the best movie ever, and it would never fail. So. Uh, actually, you can you can go on HBO and you can watch that, Mike, if you wanted to at your leisure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to tell you this, but. That DC universe that you used to know and tolerate, it's 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 gone, dude. What? J- James Gunn took over. Henry Cavill, gone. Ben no. Affleck, gone. No. no. Next, you're going to tell me that uh, Ezra Miller is immoral and he shouldn't be in his movies. There is one still standing. Uh, you know, the from uh, the guy who played Flynn Rider, that voice guy. Yeah, he's still Shazam, so he's still standing. Oh. Zachary Levi. Yeah, yeah, he's still around. Yeah. Oh well, I guess. So if you like Tangled, 
then then you still got Shazam. So what's more believable, guys, that uh, a weird stalker is using glorious DC titles to lure me out, right? Um, to start some illicit love abuse, or that DC is actually going to pick themselves up by the boot by the, by the bootstrings and you know do a really promising job? Like just just Google James Gunn. <sighs> you know I can't wait for Lent. Fine, ask Jeeves then. Oh my gosh. Adam, I typed it in. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, is, it, what, is, it, what does it say? Right at the top. It says Robert Pattinson's going to be the next Batman. Yeah, he's he's already the Batman. We know, we know. Yeah. Oh, dang. <laughs> well, I'll leave it be. Stop trying to troll me, and we can get back to talking about real movies. Or you can yeah. write the guy. You can write the guy back if you want to write him back. You can like, yeah, you can. You can choose the truth. That'd be fine. We can yeah. do that later. I hope you write the letter. Yeah, I'll, I'll make up some third Ant Man or something. There we go. Yeah, into the uh, mixed verse or multiverse or something like that. Everybody's doing the multiverse nowadays anyway, so they can write whatever plot line they want to write. Right. Good morning. Anyways, welcome to Film Logic. We talk about the movies of yesterday, today, and tomorrow with every fandom in between. Uh, we are part of the Retro Logic Network, and we're not just a bunch of fancy podcasts like Retro Logic Podcasts and On Topic and Retro Groove, but we are also a really nice Discord with some very well behaved gentlemen and some ladies, too. Oh, yeah. Very polite. Um, I am with, I'm Mike, in case you haven't known, and I'm the designated DC uh, hope bringer. Um, I'm with Adam. Adam, Hold you on. are you. You have um, a, a, a love sickness for a movie franchise. Which one is it? Uh, I will, without fail, go to see uh, every John Wick movie. I don't. I don't care. I'll, I'll go see it. All right. Good answer. And Aston, you you said there's there's a movie franchise that you want to see break up. Did I see? I want to see break. Mm. Oh, Say that again. Oh, you must have misquoted me. I don't remember saying that. I want to see. I want to see. Uh, oh, so what movie franchise did I say I want to see break up? I don't remember saying that. Oh wow! You have to like, go back and see in the annals and see where I said that. <laughs> well, um, I can tell you. I can tell you um, uh, a love movie that I love. Like, that I love watching, and I've seen multiple times. I love story at the core of it. It's one of my favorite, dearest movies of all time, and like, I've seen it multiple times. I love the soundtrack, and that's Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day Lewis. Love it. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. So, if they ever did a part two to that, there you go. I'd love to see that franchise uh, continue. Mm-hmm. The Fast and the Furious. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, that is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, that was one I said I want to see break up. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so hard to lie about what you said if you guys can't remember my lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, today is the that after show that people never get to hear. Whenever we stop and your machine says in recording, and then, then we start talking. <laughs> so are you guys ready for today's icebreaker? Let's do it. And start mm-hmm. your campfires, because this is really going to melt the ice. Okay. All right. Which movie in your whole mental movie catalog history um, presents love in a way which makes you want to stay single? AKA, which movies make relationships look horrible and unappealing? 
Yeah, two. Right. My first natural born killers. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. and then eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So those those two. Yeah. Uh, what about? Uh, Natural Born Killers, because they're just like, God, they're such like, uh, that couple is really just like, they're just messed up. Yeah, they they really like, yeah, they're just, they're like, that. The, the cheese is slid way off that crackers. I mean, it's just gone. That ship has sailed. They are just, yeah, whatever saying you want to use, way short of a six pack, had more than half bubble off center. I mean, they are like definitely messed up. Um, as far as the eyes wide shut, uh, they were just like, I don't know, it is the consummate and open marriage, if you will. And so it's just kind of like, yeah, just yeah, at the same time of, um, you know, was it, uh, I think it's agnostic, just kind of like, oh, feels good, go ahead and just do it. And uh, yeah, so it's just, uh, if that's what a version of kind of like a wholesome relationship looks like, then yeah, I'll stay single. Because that's just like, mm-hmm. be like all kinds of questions and stress and, you know, do they even care about me? Do they even like really appreciate me? Do they even like, you know, want to know how I feel, what concerns me, what worries me? So no, uh, not my, not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Mike, mine what? is mine's very obvious. And also probably my most controversial movie opinion. Uh, Forrest Gump and Jenny, get that out of here. <laughs> I despise Forrest Gump. I don't, I don't get the hype. I don't understand why people like this movie. Even the most iconic line, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Doesn't make sense to me. Of course you know what's in a box of chocolates. There's a guide right in the cover. Everyone knows exactly what you're getting in a box of chocolates. I gotta ask, I gotta ask, when you get a box of chocolates, now do you do like most people that I've met, including myself, do you always go for the delivery man as the first one you eat? What's a delivery man? The little Whitman's box of chocolate. They always have the little delivery man carrying the box of like little box of chocolates that's in the, you know, uh, he's in the center. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, because most people I've met, they always say they always go for the delivery man as far as the first piece that they eat. I thought this was a service in the South where there's like a door-to-door chocolate box delivery man. Yeah, no, I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Oh, I, don't, no. I, don't, oh. I don't know if I've ever seen a chocolate oh, delivery sorry, man. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, I did a fly no, box. You're sorry fine. about that. that was, yeah. That's funny. You yeah. just gave us FOMO, that's all. <laughs> yeah, we were jealous. <laughs> I have to personally um, come deliver a box to your house. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jenny causes nothing but problems the entire movie. She strings him along. And then, you know, after she finally lives a life, and, you know, she's got it's HIV AIDS at the end of the movie, and um, she just kind of is just like, okay, I'm ready to settle down with Forrest, and Forrest Gump just doesn't have a spine or the wits <laughs> or the sense to say no, because he's pined after this woman who doesn't love him the entirety of the movie, and the only reason that she picks him is because she knows that he won't leave her, and she's just afraid of dying. And it's horribly toxic, and it's made worse by the fact that Forrest Gump has no idea he's being taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, he is a poor. I mean, guy is like he is a sap, uh, you know, in that relationship. And then he's kind of like it is sad to watch unfold because you're like, look, dude. I mean, if you if he had like if he had a bro, you know, and it was like a, a bro moment, you know, you need the bro man out there, you know. I know you get, you know, you definitely got feelings for her, you know, and you want her to have, you know, reciprocation, but you know, it's not going to happen, and you're that fallback crutch. And yeah. so, you know, if you got any kind of inkling of respect for yourself, you know, definitely just kick it to the curb, dude, and say it ain't happening and move on. For three quarters of the movie, she prefers heroin to Forrest Gump. 
that is not a good basis for a love story. Yeah. No. Adam, I feel like you would enjoy the book that it was based on because the book is 90 million times sillier than what uh, Steven Spielberg made. <laughs> um, Forrest Gump goes into a pro wrestling and yeah. is known as the dunce in one of the stories. In another story, he goes into space <laughs> and befriends dunce. a monkey. Incredible. Um, he, he lands like in this tropical forest and gets held hostage. Okay. And all the while, he's just like, I'm just dumb and letting life happen to me. And so the book is so much sillier. And it doesn't, it doesn't try to like make the Jenny Forrest Gump thing make sense. It's just like, oh, crazy stuff keeps happening to me. And there's this girl I like. Um, yeah, I, it's, I, I, I don't get it. And, you know, maybe I'm looking at it too literally. Maybe I should be watching it ironically. But, yeah, it doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got some funny little uh, lines in it and stuff like that. Funny scenes, stuff like that. But I can see what you're talking about with the relationship um, mm-hmm. between them. Yeah, that it would just be, uh, you're just kind of like, gosh, no, this guy really is like, you know, I mean, it, it goes straight out for comedy, but it, it, this guy really is dense. And uh, if he can't see this girl, just using him as fallback crutch material. And, you know, he's just, she just comes back to him whenever she needs a place to sleep and weather the storm for a little while. And then, okay, I'm fine now. I've got this. See ya. But they produce the Sixth Sense Kid. And so if anything good came out of that relationship is Hallie Joe Osmond and the movie career that he would chase down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, I mean, it, it's a, uh, it, it, that's a good pick though. I would, I hands down, I have a good pick for as far as a, uh, as a couple that makes you be like, Oh, you know, if this is love, hard pass. Hmm. I would, I would venture to guess that, uh, uh, John Wick makes me want to stay single forever. There's just yeah. something something about that movie that's like, never trust anyone, live in a cave until you die. Yeah, it definitely makes me not want to mess with a man's dog. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, even, yeah, even something as simple as owning a dog for companionship yeah. is rife with tragedy. Yeah. Apparently, like, that, that would break a man, too. Yeah. <laughs> if owning a dog makes you want to get revenge, how much harder is it to have a, a spouse? Yeah, <laughs> especially remains on that caliber level. I mean, my God, man, this dog must be something to behold. Because <laughs> that was what, like, the spouse left in that dog, right? Is what it was. In the- yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So that was his uh, connection to her. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there's a further connection to like, yeah. Follow up question: Has Keanu Reeves ever been in a happy relationship in a movie? Yeah, yeah. Speed, speed ended good. Intensity, but it ended good, yeah. And um, and then, uh, yeah, um, Point Break. Yeah, he parachuted out the end, and then uh, he ran out the pucker. Yeah, and they ended up, yeah, you know, kind of like, cue to sunset. Ah, so maybe 99 going further. They said, you know what, Keanu Reeves in happiness and in a relationship, it's not selling well. <laughs> <laughs> we got, like, the 80s Keanu, and then we have to go forward with the 90s Keanu. And we'll have one of the ones I've got coming up later. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. He ends well. Right. So, before we go to the game, I want to open up the floor to anything interesting that you've seen in the past week that you want to bring light to. I saw, finally saw The Lost City with um, Shannon Tatum, Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, and Daniel Radcliffe. 
Um, yes. You can see, I can see it on Amazon Prime. So if I did sit down and watch it and stuff. And I think, which one of y'all said that y'all saw it? I did. Yeah. I saw too. Yeah, yeah. So I love the uh, cut scene toward the end there where Brad Pitt. Uh... <laughs> and so, yeah. So I did actually yeah. get to uh, get to see that. And then um, I have finished watching uh, this series and it uh, is available. And then the new episodes come out pretty soon here in like a week. The uh, I think I forget the year, but I think it's called 1886, but it's a prequel to Yellowstone. And I'm um, looking forward to the um, the new episodes coming up in about a week or so. And um, this guy's got Harrison Ford and Helen Marin, and, and uh, it's a really good series. If you like westerns, and it's got some Africa stuff involved in it too. So, mm-hmm. and then of course I got to quickly mention I got to make the plug. I can't help myself, but The Last of Us still going really good. Mm. Have y'all seen The Last of Us? Y'all been watching the series? Yeah, I'm a. Uh... I wait for them all to come out. I don't like watching things weekly. Well, one at a time. Yeah, yeah. I gotta. But I mean, I've played the games countless times, so I, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. And I, I'm I'm glad that there's a, a new excitement around video game adaptations. But this one now, I can tell you, since you played the video, they've now deviated. I know twice. Um, one is a big deviation. So um, so if you say like, so people that are out there listening, they're like, well, I played the games, you know, so I watched the show. I would encourage you to watch the show. Because they actually do deviate from the game, so it's not like lockstep with the game. Yeah, in fact, there's, in fact, there's characters in the series that are not in the game at all. Uh, Pedro Pascal was recently on SNL. <laughs> Something that's good. <laughs> did you Did you see uh, the Nintendo skit? Oh, where he, where he plays Mario. I didn't get. His, I just saw a picture of it, and I'm like, darn, this could work. Yeah, <laughs> I saw off Street Sweeper. Okay, they got them all popping up in the skit, Luigi, Toad, and stuff like that, in snail fashion, the snail taste, so yeah. <laughs> all right, Adam, what have you seen that is worth talking about? Um, Man, uh, I feel like there's a lot of... I'm, I'm waiting for a lot of movies to kind of come out, so I, I've been to the movie theater in a, in a hot minute, but you know, next week we got you know, Quantum Mania coming up, so I'm, I'm really excited for that, but um, I... Uh, Netflix has this awesome documentary series called Untold, and a lot of times it's um, these untold stories of uh, various hi- things in history that have happened in the realm of sports. And I just watched this one, the this episode that was about how this guy that was connected to the New Jersey mob bought a like a a AAA hockey team and made his 18-year-old son the president of the hockey team and they were um they were so successful because the the dude the the kid loved the WWE so mm-hmm. he kind of just modeled his team after you know the ruthless aggression era and just made them all super physical like brooding monsters and they got all the way to second place in the championship and then they got uh the, the owner of the team got arrested on rico charges and like shut the team down because they had connections to the mob and this all ha- you know you'd be like oh how long ago this happened this happened in like 2014 wow 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 Dang. Mm. or like yeah it's 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 insane like it happened in the, the the you know the the fairly recent past and i was watching this i was like how does this how does this just happen <laughs> and um as i was watching it apparently the the guy that it was uh the guy that did that the the show the sopranos was based off this dude wow 
or it was at least in, partially inspired because like the guy so i guess the, the 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 cherry on top is that this dude owned a garbage disposal company and like owned like garbage trucks and stuff like all of it on the northeast coast and he named his hockey team the trashers <laughs> wow yeah it was it was incredible i know it, I, I was riveted from start to finish i've i've never been it, i was blown away yeah, those are the documentaries that you wish you could see, but then when you go look for one, it's all like government this, government that, scandal uh, this. Yeah, I would say that's, I haven't checked that one out. My the closest documentary I recently watched was on the Amazon Prime, talking about like uh, you know um, Deion Sanders prime time um, about the uh, football league that he started and stuff. And so if uh, if you're into like sports ones, that's an actually interesting one to watch. And um, I've never actually got to see too much of actually Dion like kind of like in that light or in that way, as far as not, not being like Dion, Dion. And uh, it's, it's an interesting documentary to watch. And it's got some people that actually show up there on the scene too, that he gets on the, uh, on the field, you know, while he's building his team, like um, Dwayne Johnson is there and um, talks some about his, uh, his past and some of his football experience and stuff. And um, so it's, uh, if you get a chance, Adam, watch that one. That one's an uh, interesting one too. Yeah, yeah. I'll, there. I'll hit it up. I love uh, I love that. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, my wife and I are up to the ninth episode of Criminal Minds Evolution, and it's finally getting good. <laughs> only so, took him nine episodes. It only it took him nine. Yeah, like it. That's really, so hard, huh? The show like departed from what why people love um, Criminal Minds. You know, the monster of the week type thing. They they kind of played against that to try to make it one overarching story, and. In some ways, it worked. In some ways, it made things a lot slower. Um, but now, like, now that they're getting to like the end, uh, where they're actually gonna might catch the guy, it just you realize those nine episodes were just one episode. It was a monster of the nine weeks. So it was pretty good. I've never seen any of the Criminal Minds at all, so I'd have to like, uh, I'd be like a. I'd be starting fresh if I was actually watching the other. Yeah, yeah I, I heard they did away with a, a fan favorite character. Oh, yes, yes, the Reed, Reed guy. Um, he is, he's kind of like the Sheldon of the group, but like way more charming and, you know, you want to back him up. But he's, you know, super smart, a genius at psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of, they kind of hand wave him away, like, oh, Reed is off on this blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you know, half the fan base, their heart drops when they hear that. Yeah, like, how do you, I don't know how you do away with a, a fan favorite character like that. But mm, whatever. Yes, Community Season 6, we'll tell you how. <laughs> or George R. R. Martin will tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all his fan favorites come back. Martin's? Maybe <laughs> a consequence he's dead. What's about Game of Thrones? Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, they brought back the main one. I wanted to come back. That was where they might get knocked off. Although he did get killed around the very end, but he went down the best way possible. My favorite, the Hound. I always loved him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I was rooting for him the whole entire series. I was like, please come back, please come back, please come back. <laughs> All right, moving on. Who's ready to play Plot the Fake? Let's do it. All right, this is an exciting new game, and yes, we did do a play on words from RetroLogic's Spot the Fake. Haha, we're clever. So. <laughs> Basically, what I did is I asked the Discord community to come up with fake rom-com movies. And I put them in a list. 
And I'm going to feed each one of you guys one of the movies, and you need to tell me what the plot is of the movie. So you all have to come up with a different plot based on the, the movie that you hear, and then I have to judge which one I like the best. So I'm getting green lighted? Yes. Just think of me as Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or Oliver North. So if you put up a fake movie name in our Discord, uh, there's a good chance we are going to go over it. Oh, boy. So our first movie is The Hidden Chef. Adam, what's The Hidden Chef about? The Hidden Chef uh, features Hugh Grant and uh, – because you gotta, you got to nail you know, the, the two leading people and then you kind of flush it out around them. And um, I think Rachel McAdams would fit in this role really well. And uh, I love this idea of uh, this woman, Rachel McAdams, has a blossoming, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call it, Instagram uh, career of shooting these quick little videos online. And her secret is that she can't cook. And instead, she has a secret chef uh, who is obviously Matthew McConaughey, who does all the cooking behind the scenes. And they've been best friends since childhood. And, uh, you know, Rachel McAdams is going around dating all these famous celebrity chefs like Emeril. And, you know, he kind of just bides his time until one Valentine's Day. He then, you know, surprises her with the dinner of a lifetime and they ride off into the sunset together. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, Ashton, are you ready? What is The Hidden Chef about? Hidden Chef is about the chef. Uh, we'll play it by, uh, we'll go with, uh, I'll go Gerard Butler, plays this Hidden Chef. And he actually goes around and he has altered an ingredient that is <laughs> some kind of tetrodotoxin. So it's very clear to trace uh, any kind of toxicology reports. And he's going around and he is poisoning uh, heads of state to try to manipulate candidacy so that he can topple governments and kind of shift power so that uh, he can bend it to his way to bring up his own version of a kind of new world order. And uh, But all is not lost because enter your hero, Daniel Craig, who actually has to go around and he's actually following these leads and clues and is trying to find this hidden chef and actually click him out and uh, topple his big cabal before uh, all is lost, before he gets to all the heads of state taken off. Some get lost, but not all. Oh, where's the romance? If more rom-coms were like that, I'd be a rom-com fan. Well, I was going to say, the romance would be involved because he'll meet women along the way and he'll he'll romanticize them. (laughs) Romanticize. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, who can resist a man who can cook, right? I'm guessing Daniel Craig can cook, too. That's why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He'll be good with knives in the show. That'd be his weapon of choice. Well, Essen, you've hit the diehard part of my heart, so I'm going to have to give it to you. Okay. Adam, your sound's too real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The next movie is 30 to Love. 30 to Love. Essen, what is 30 to Love about? Uh, I would say it's about this book that was with an unknown author. And in, it's like 30 ways to get a woman to madly fall in love with you. But um, the 30 ways you have to do it is the most expensive way as possible. And it's guaranteed that you're going to love you for life. But if you can do this and pull this off and you do all these 30 ways and the very expensive ways to do it, then you'll get the ultimate love potion ever known to mankind. And you will have that woman in your arms for the rest of your life. And she would just be just totally enthralled and enchanted about whatever you say and whatever you do. And so this guy does this and he goes to this rich guy, rich tycoon guy does this. And he goes through with it and he pulls it off. Um, but it ends tragically because little does he know that like he creates this and he thinks it's going to be this hunky dory thing. And it ends up being, it's this um, played by the girl played by Jennifer Jason Lee. It ends up being that this girl becomes like some kind of stalker. And she's so mad in love and she just follows him everywhere. 
Like he can never take a shower. He can never use the bathroom. He can never go to work because he always wants to be near him, by him, always over him, just oppressing him at all times. And so he just goes madly insane. He ends up having to just like, uh, unfortunately, at the end of the movie, he ends up having, he gets arrested because he has to like, outcome of his own undoing, he has to take her out. He has to kill her. Oh, dang. Oh. Number one, that got dark. Number two, stop reading my Harry Potter fanfic. <laughs> wow. Right. Adam, 30 to love. So Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler were <laughs> once upon a time at the top of their game uh, of the tennis world in the 80s. And they famously played against each other in a battle of the sexes. And Adam Sandler defeats her soundly, ruining their relationship. Flash forward 30 years, and it's the 30-year anniversary of their big game. And they're both dreading, you know, seeing each other again. Old feelings get dredged up. And they have to ultimately play each other in a game of tennis. And the real battle is the battlefield of their hearts. Oh, Heartstring poor. Heartstring poor. 30 to love. Yes. Oh, man. No fault. On that net. <laughs> you know, I, I could hear the money being produced. <laughs> right? <laughs> Everything that Jennifer Anderson and Adam Sandler touch turns to gold. Yeah. Right. And of course, Kevin James has to be in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll be the umpire or something. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Kevin James. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> Octagon, Adam. What is that love octagon? Oh man, uh, this the love octagon is um, it's actually it's it's very avant garde, but it's um, Colin Firth and uh, <laughs> Kate Hudson, and they uh, <laughs> uh, they're the they're, they they host a um, a battle royale every year where couples have to come in and fight each other to the death. <laughs> and whoever, the two surviving, get to marry each other. Until one day, uh, they have to fight each other. And they realize that they're better off together. And uh, they fight their way out of the octagon. And um, I don't know, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The octagon. It's a sequel really? to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, really. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Aston, the Love Octagon. Sure, Love Octagon. I'll say it's a uh, all female class. Um, we'll go with like we'll go with Natalie Portman, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Sandra Bullock. We do Sigourney Weaver. Who else are we gonna put in here? Um, put in Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon. And Dang, we'll do you have the budget for this? We do Charlie Theron and. <laughs> That'd be good. No, we do one. We do Angelina Jolie. And it's like all these female cast, they all got, got tired of them all trying to make it competitively in Hollywood. And they all got tired of like being outcast by each other. And so they decided to like kind of make this octagon fight one night. And they all started to get in there and decided to like actually just throw down and just see who could be the best of the best. And so instead of like a guy's film of like the best of the best, it's now a female film of the best of the best. And it's just a totally film about just like cat fights and all these actors just getting to just be like in a single elimination, just throwing it down like Muay style as far as like who gets to be taken out and stuff like that. So it's kind of just want to imagine like best of the best meets blood sport. And in the end, we'll see which uh, female action actress actually gets to stand on top and call herself the baddest babe in uh, Hollywood. It's like a fight club for disenfranchised actresses. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll have a comedy spin on it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Sandra Bullock put uh, Reese Witherspoon in a rear naked chokehold. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I got to give it that one to you. There's uh, so much meat on that bone. Uh, All right. Here's the next movie, Sweet Home Anaconda. You're going to go first. (laughs) Why do you want me to go first on that one? We don't have Anaconda. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I do like Christian Dale plays this male lead role where he actually is. Uh... I-, I can't help you guys. I- I'm on one. My mind went this way. Okay, y'all have to forgive me. <laughs> but Christian Bale plays this male role where, where he plays this like male porn star. Hey yo. <laughs> All right, we've got an R rating. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he goes back home. Because his career is messy. And then he's like, yeah, it's like, no one will actually pay him any attention anymore because he actually had to have back surgery and he's been strung out on pain meds. And he meets this, like, female back home who actually, like, you know, takes a liking to him and teaches him the right way to eat, the right way to exercise. And he's able to get off the pain meds and stuff like that. And he starts revealing to her about his past and stuff. And, and she actually is, is okay with it. And she kind of reveals that she used to be, like, a stripper. And so then uh, she's like, well, what was your stage name? And he's like, I was called Sweet Home Anaconda. And she's like, well, how'd you get that name? And then like, as the story unfolds, you find out how he actually got that name, Sweet Home Anaconda. And so then it's like, yeah, just all the scenes that ensue to ensure that you actually get the rating of that film. Wow. All right. All right. Adam, Sweet Home Anaconda. Well, obviously I couldn't resist getting Reese Witherspoon uh, back in uh, Sweet Home Anaconda. Anaconda, and playing opposite her is Mark Ruffalo, who owns a reptile petting zoo in Florida. And um, he's, you know, kind of down on his luck, single dad. Um, his daughter, played by uh, Dakota Fanning, who is also in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, and uh, one day, a Reese Witherspoon, high-powered lawyer from Miami, her car breaks down, and she has to spend a couple days with Mark Ruffalo, and she kind of realizes that she wants a slower life. She doesn't want. She doesn't want to. Uh, you know, she doesn't want to go back to Miami. She kind of wants to befriend uh, R- Mark Ruffalo's daughter. Until one day at the reptile park, uh, a boy played by I don't know Timothy Chalamet gets bitten by a snake, and she uh, she gets hired to sue Mark Ruffalo and his snake business. Uh, but at the end of the day, she can't do it. She she throws the court case, and uh, she ends up with Mark Ruffalo, and they retire to their nice little reptile sanctuary. Wow. Uh, that was beautiful. Adam, I'm going to give you the family award on that one. Yeah. No, we have I, a polarity of our films there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the idea of a series of films Uh, right every single movie yes it's like but it's like a different location sweet home malibu (laughs) sweet home nascar sweet home amsterdam (laughs) and finally the movie love and biscuits not to be confused with the hidden chef (laughs) um adam you go first um well as you know, the absolute queen and king of Home and Gardens has to be Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. And this movie is a dramatization of their of both their respective rise to power. Uh, Martha Stewart 
it's you know, and it, it's in the same vein as the uh, the most recent Weird Al Yankovic story, where uh, you know, thing like the details are kind of true, but exaggerated to the point where you're like Weird Al Yankovic didn't end up with Madonna. What are you talking about? This is that. <laughs> this is that movie. Uh, so, you know, Snoop Dogg. You know, has this incredible career, obviously both in real life and in this movie. Um, but it culminates uh, in uh, when he meets Martha Stewart. They're both in jail, and their eyes lock across the can- canteen, and they fall in love. And when they get out, they decide to, they're going to go on the straight and narrow and open up the best gosh darn home and gardens magazine <laughs> co- company you've ever seen. Oh, love and biscuits. Love and biscuits. Yeah. All right, Eston, love and biscuits. Uh, Give it a shot. Uh, starring Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake. I say Justin Timberlake is a, uh, a military vet uh, returning back from a uh, long stint in Afghanistan and uh, comes back home and meets Anna Kendrick. And they start hitting it off as far as talking in a relationship and stuff. And he's suffering from uh, some PTSD. And Anna Kendrick kind of really helps him out as far as adjusting back to life back in the homeland. And Justin uh, adjusting to his uh, working through his PTSD, and throughout the process, you know, he is <laughs> and one of the gestures he starts doing uh, to warm up her. He starts making her uh, breakfast, and he's showing how they uh, made some biscuits uh, that they made over there, just just like just chow style, to like uh, with a kind of a rough meal, just out of the MREs they had and stuff. And that's got to be kind of the notoriety thing for their relationship. As far as one of his little gestures that he would start doing, and that was kind of the sign that he was starting to really warm up to her, and um, their relationship just started blossoming off of that, and then just romance ensues, and just like you just see the uh, you know him working his way through his troubles and stuff with her, and it just you have you know definitely you have your comedy moments, um, you have your character moments, and then that's just kind of the anchor of it, just the love and biscuits. Oh, can the biscuits be a parable for something, a symbol? Yeah, sure. Just the rising of the relationship, a rising of love. Oh, there we go. There it is. Right, right, right. Throughout the throughout the movie, he uh he can't quite get it right. Yeah, uh, the biscuit recipe quite right. Yeah. And then one day she like accidentally puts in too much baking powder. He's like, "That's it, you got it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when he realizes he's in love with her. Or, or as he's explaining that one vulnerability he's never said to any woman. These you see in the background, the biscuits rising beautifully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they right harmonize, and they harmonize just like the beginning of the troll song. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. The catchphrase, you healed my biscuits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you healed my biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Nicholas Spark Award goes to you, Eston. Oh, thank you. And that concludes our game. Thank you guys for playing. Incredible. I love it. Trying to do a spectrum. Right. So, today's topic we are diving into Valentine's Day, the day yes, of love, yeah. the day of chocolates, of which you don't know which one you're going to get. Yeah, you have no idea. Yes. The, ch- the chocolate meal, man. There you go. That would, it's not the a day, little, but a figurative. The yeah. day of a folded cardstock to your loved ones. Exactly. Will you choo-choo choose me? And there's a picture of a train on it. Right. Well, our assignment, gentlemen, was to look up three hopeful movie relationships that you believe would really head it off and would be healthy. And then we're going to look at three doomed relationships that you know would not work and is against the laws of psychology. <laughs> um, I'm going to go first. Yeah. Take this thing off. So it's taken it's taken me uh, ten episodes to finally mention Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Scott Pilgrim and Ramona. 
are a relationship that I have hope about because it's not just a guy meeting a girl, but a guy actually having to literally overcome her exes. And if that's not a metaphor for having to get through a girl's baggage, I don't know what is. This movie beautifully represents not only a love triangle, which 20-somethings I always have between uh, Ramona and Knives Chow, but also fighting for the one you love. And according to uh, the author of the Scott Pilgrim series, um, he originally had Scott Pilgrim leave with Knives Chow in his book, but when he saw them switch it in the movies, he made a version of Scott Pilgrim and Ramona in the graphic novel. So even he was influenced by this. Um, I don't associate Michael Sarah with nobility and elegance, but just seeing an awkward guy have to float through fight scene after fight scene just to win over a girl with uh, fancy hair, um, that's pretty endearing. What do you gents think? Um, it takes some lumps there. There's enough fights mm-hmm. to try and make your way to the uh, to the communities. That's for sure. Yeah, that that movie is a factory for who's who, like uh, of actors. Now it's like <laughs> everyone, anyone who's anyone is in that movie. Um, yes. it's it's crazy it's really to go back and look and see like Captain America not being so noble anymore, <laughs> right? Captain America. Captain Marvel, yeah. Superman. Yeah. It's, the yeah. amount of superheroes in that movie is astonishing. It's really funny. By Marvel to be the next, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I mean, I I don't know. I always watched that movie in the through the lens of like Scott Pilgrim not being the greatest dude. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've always viewed the ending of that as more ambiguous than just straight up, you know, Scott gets the girl. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I like it. And I, I get why, I get why people root for him. I mean, who wouldn't let it fall in love with Ramona? She's, she's, uh, she's pretty great. So yeah. yeah, thumbs up. I think uh, that that movie and that couple definitely set the standard for mm-hmm. um, what? quirky millennial couples. Yeah. The redeemable part is that Scott gets permission from Knives Chow to pursue the girl that he was really pursuing. So he convinced a jealous, homicidal girlfriend that he he was meant for Ramona. And you don't get that kind of permission in movies. I don't think you get that permission in real life. So (laughs) it gives me hope. I was just watching a, uh, today, uh, Kendrick was talking about a, uh, and so YouTube clip I was watching, she was talking about like uh, viewing her acting in some of the movies. Scott Pilgrim. And uh, it was an uh, interesting watch seeing her talk about like, you know, this movie and uh, her takes on her own acting in the movie and, you know, her, her initial impression of the script and everything like that. And about her wanting, you know, her impression as far as like, hey, do I want to be in this movie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I think because they had definitely been battle-tested, battle-hardened relationship. They had been through any kind of stress that you could possibly imagine to break those two up, um, to cause an argument at the end of the day, to cause them to walk out on each other. And they have definitely uh, stood the test of time with those battles as far as like having their love tempered. And I think they definitely have stood by each other. Um, they have been already not only destined for each other. And so I don't see them actually falling apart in any way. Uh, even in the last movie, I mean, they're still together even after all this time. I mean, they brought them back together, so that's why they're doing the DC feed. Um, 
it was kind of different how they did it as far as like kind of it was like they didn't really maybe you know i remember at trinity they actually didn't like kind of like no deal a little bit recognize them a little bit and it took a little bit of time but um but i've definitely done i mean what are y'all's thoughts on it i mean take on it i mean i definitely think that they're definitely a successful couple i just want to say that uh, for those of you who are familiar with the matrix keanu reeves plays a video game developer and trinity plays a soccer mom mm-hmm. and both of them have to take medication and they have to learn how to stop taking that medication so they can fall in love before neil patrick harris yeah that's what I mean. the destiny part because i mean it's just a. I mean, they, they get through time, the medications like wear off, they actually start like recognizing each other and they're actually boom, back in love again. So, I mean, they're, they're meant for each other. Right. And I'm glad you didn't correct me and tell me, say, Mike, there's a whole trilogy. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to go down that path all that way. No, we, in the interest of time, I mean, this is a time a lot of shows. So, yeah, no, it's not a show about the, the Matrix. Right. Adam? Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole purpose of them being together is what causes the the destruction of uh humanity in the first place right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i i think when you think of uh sci-fi couples like that's got to be at the top of the list right like Mm -hmm. keanu risks everything for it right Mm -hmm. and you know even in the the second movie he flies around and he grabs her beating heart like what better uh, example of true love, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Ian, you have a classic. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think of just romantic love, when you think of traditional, you know, hero saves the princess, you know, you, you got to go Wesley and Buttercup from the incredible, timeless classic that is a princess bride. And, I mean, what what more can I say, right? Like Wesley, you know, goes away for for years, becomes the dreads the you know the dread pirate, uh, and you know fights through three different trials to get his lady back, only to lose her, get tortured, be mostly dead, and you know come back to life and to save her again, you know. And I think the you know of the many things that make this movie great, you know. Uh, one of them has to be Miracle Max, and you know I feel like this quote, you know, best iterates um, why Wesley and Buttercup are the standard. And to quote Miracle Max and Billy Crystal, Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world, except for a nice MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich, when the mutton <laughs> is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. Oh wait, oh wait, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I meant, uh... <laughs> wait, wait. I'll make him better. If Humphrey suffers, humiliation's galore. That is a noble cause. Wait, no, no, that's not what I meant. Um, <laughs> but no, when when uh, you know Miracle Max says that you know the 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 reason that uh, Wesley doesn't die after suffering through all that torture is because of true love. Um, I think that is. I think their relationship is the ultimate example of what it means to sacrifice everything for the person that you love. And um, yeah, I I love I love uh, the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And every youth group in the 80s and 90s use that as you wish. Oh, yeah. As you wish. As yeah. you. Yeah, that's great. And then no more rhyming. And I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Man, I. What was it? Inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> um, so this will make only sense to Mike 
and uh, but you. I'm sure it'll make him very jealous. But the first time I ever saw the Princess Bride and the first time I ever had a garbage plate was the same night. Oh man, that's my dad. That's cool. And it was at youth group. Are you know, like garbage plate, like the thing that you eat, like it's famous up in the uh, up north and all that, st- the meat and all that stuff that's on piled on top that dish. Oh yeah, baby. We're yeah. the city that invented it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. And- by the way, you're supposed to only have like two a year. That's how dangerous they are. <laughs> hey, I've, I've heard about yeah, the garbage plate. And I've seen the pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man versus food. Yep. Yeah, I'll stick to my chicken perla. <laughs> well, speaking of a relationship like man and food. <laughs> my, my next one is Shrek and Fiona. The only children's animated film to cover how birth can affect a relationship and how mm. almost divorce can affect a relationship. It's true. No more happily ever after. This is about the realities of a mommy-daddy relationship. And my goodness, it's brilliant that we're showing that to kids. It took us, it took us large Shrek and large Fiona to finally get the message out. And the message is that they fight for one, each other, one another in every movie to make the relationship work and go back to their senses that they really need each other. So... In every Disney relationship, when they say happily ever after, you can say, well, maybe they get angry at each other and break up. But you can't say that about Shrek and Fiona. We actually know the hard times they had in their marriage, and we know it works out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, it's interesting. They actually do show all the phases of, like, yeah, of the uh, ups and downs of a marriage and stuff. So, yeah, they, they show it true to life. Mm-hmm. Is there any wonder why he's the meme king? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> All right. Anyone want to weigh in on Shrek and Fiona? I know we're huge fans. Massive fans. Um, can I just say that the uh the soundtracks to those movies is absolutely impeccable. Like County they, Cruise. just just nail it. And um, yeah, right. And you know, I don't I don't think that Shrek and Fiona are the only relationship in there that uh you know is is awesome. We love. You know, Donkey and the Dragon. Uh, you know, we love an interracial relationship. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's you know, it's it's incredible. I love it. Mm-hmm. That movie has everything. That's what I'm saying. And if you guys haven't seen Puss in Boots yet, do yourself oh, a favor. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen. It's I, I hear it's, they're calling yeah. it the Everywhere, Everything, All at Once movie of DreamWorks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Darn it. <laughs> is, it, is it is it too much to say that it's better animated and has a better plot than Avatar? I don't think so. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll leave that to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, now, Eston, you have a controversial one that Ooh. many psychologists and school counselors might disagree with you on. But tell us why you think this couple is is hopeful. Oh, Edward and Bella. Yes. No, what's that? Um, when I first put them down, I thought, well, because they're, uh, I mean, he, he changed her and he didn't change her in like an interview with the vampire way. Like, you know, because he's like lonely, uh, they talked about it, discussed it. Um, she's you know, submitted to it, said, you know, no, I want to do it. So it's out of love. And that to me is like, that is a big commitment. You're essentially going to commit to eternal death. Um, you know, despite the spotlights and the sunshine and the superpowers and whatever, hobby, you're essentially now going to be cold to touch. Um, you're not going to die and you watch everyone else that you know around you die and all your friends die. Um, so, I mean, she committed to that. And so, I mean, that is not a commitment to take lightly. 
So I think if you're going to go down that route and commit that much to someone, um, I think you are pretty much invested in it for the long haul. Um, cause this is not something that you can like walk out on. And also it brings up that also it's like, well, okay, let's say she wants to walk out. I'm saying, so, okay, I'm done. I want to leave. Um, you're a vampire. I mean, it's not like you can kind of go out and be like, okay, well, see ya. You know, there's plenty of fish out in the ocean. I'll go find another one and stuff like that. I mean, now she's got to go find another vampire, you know, or what you going to do, go find someone, another one bodied person, a human, and actually say, hey, you know, unless you want to go feed per se, you know, do you mind if I change you? So, you know, you can grow old with me now. <clears throat> and then you got to find someone around that same age so that, you know, you can all can be around the same age. Otherwise, you know, you're going to go out and like buy a 16 year old and say, hey, you know, you be my lover now. You know, don't mind the age gap. And also, if I remember right, they have a kid. And so, I mean, they've gone on now, like, even committed more um, as far as like, getting into like messing into another family. And so, I just saw all those layers added on. And so, I just think, EDD, you know, there's so much there that, like, if, if there is some kind of like stress that develops or comes along that tests the relationship, there's so much investment already in this relationship that it is that I, I can see both parties of the relationship say, okay, no, this is something we got to definitely like try and work at, work our way through it as a team and try and, like, you know, there may be bad days, but we're going to try and like stick to it. And, you know, come out on the other side better. And um, because of how much they're, how deeply they are invested. So that's why I put them down. And honestly, I didn't know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know so many people were like saying like, up, oh, doom, up, oh, doom, up, oh, doom. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, apparently there's psychology classes that they, some high schools have taught where they kind of psychoanalyze the movie about the stalker relationship between Edward and Bella and how uh, Bella's dependency on getting this one boy and how it's predator Oh, he takes her out to dinner yeah. and they talk about it. And he talks about, yeah, I can read people's minds. I can tell you what she's feeling over there and how, what she's thinking and stuff like that. It's not very stalker material. I mean, he's, you know, disarming himself. Hey, I can read minds. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, stalker would be like, you know, not revealing his cards, but you know, what am I? No, I'm not a psycho psychologist. Yeah. What stalker should a man watching an underage girl sleep in her bed? Well, that's protection. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's referring to that scene. But, you, you know, you, you put some fresh light on it because, yeah, the thing is, it, it talks about the balance between wanting to be a predator in a romantic relationship and wanting to be a gentleman in the the struggle between it. Mm -hmm. And that's the girls just want to have bad boys. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess you could, like, yeah, if you're a vampire and you don't sleep at all, I mean... I don't. Did you, I guess I don't know. And they're three crafting of vampires. Did they sleep? I can't remember in that movie. I can't remember if they sleep or not. I think they lie down on couches for a little bit. I don't know. Okay, all right. Because I'm like, well, he's watching her sleep. I guess because maybe he could like, if she wakes up, he could be like, I'm bored. I mean, what do you want? I mean, I'm a vampire. I don't sleep. I can only watch so much like you know info commercials. Buy this back massager at one a.m. I mean, come on, give me a break. <laughs> right. Uh, good point. I've cleaned the house three times. <laughs> <laughs> so. Adam, you have another iconic couple. Why don't you share them? Oh, yeah, baby. Um, I, I love this relationship between Elizabeth and Will and Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, uh, I, I have a couple of quotes. Um, you know, the, the classic one from Commander Norrington at the end of the first one. Uh, this is a beautiful, he's talking to Will. This is a beautiful sword. I would expect a man who made it to show the same care and devotion in every aspect of his life. And of course, you know, the plot of the movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, would not move forward without Will's absolute devotion to um, saving Elizabeth and, you know, the sacrifices that he makes for her. And uh, the other quote I brought is, no cause is lost, but if there is one fool that left to fight for it. And, um, yeah, I think that perfectly summarizes the, the depths that 
that Will will go to uh, find and save Elizabeth. But I think it's a, you know, every relationship is a two-sided coin. And, um, you know, Elizabeth does so much growing up, I think, in the movies. You know, in the first, you know, the first one, she's feisty for sure, but she definitely fills the kind of damsel in distress sort of role. And then, you know, by the second or third movie, she's like a pirate king. And, you know, she has a strong mm-hmm. independence, but um, I think Will ultimately is what grounds her and um, you know, kind of gives her stability in her, in her life that's constantly changing. You know, losing the relationship with her father, you know, her, her, her feelings for Peter Norrington. Uh, you know, all, all these things, and, you know, there's so many ups, there's so many downs, but the one thing that stays constant is their relationship, and, you know, I think it's further proved that when Will takes on the Flying Dutchman role, um, that he goes back to see her on his one day of reprieve. Mm. Excellent. Well, I would definitely agree with all that. Yeah, definitely. Will is needed in that movie to move forward. Although Johnny Depp does give the relief as, uh... Oh, yeah. As I, the, uh, what was the pirate's name? Blackjack, wasn't it? Uh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, I've seen too many pirate movies. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got you. I got you. I mean, look. Uh, you know the the say what you want about the the franchise as a whole, but you know that first movie is a masterpiece to me. I love that movie. No, I'm not knocking all. I just I have seen literally seen. I've seen like you know um was uh, uh the Mutiny on the Bounty. I've seen all versions of Mutiny on the Bounty, even the black and white one. And so yeah, I just some of the pirate names just muddle over time. So no, I'm not taking away from the movie at all. Oh, I mean, no, actually, no. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and um. Yeah, so in fact, I love that quote. You know, like, do you think he like is like, what is it like? When he makes it, I'm a bunch of quote, but I love that when he's talking about, like, you know, do you think he just makes this up as he goes along, or he plans it all? That man has to be the greatest pirate I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I think out of the, tr- the original trilogy, the 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 only plot line I did understand was Elizabeth and Will's relationship. <laughs> so you picked a good one. Thank you, thank you. No. Yeah, it has some great comedy in all those all those films. Well, well timed comedy. Yes. I want to call out to a previous episode. Love it. No, oh, yeah. yeah. There hasn't been a hero movie that I know of besides Hancock that talks about like uh, a husband wife team being like, like they both know each other's secret. They both know each other's profession and they're both okay with each other's you know, like need to be superheroes and save the town and actually want to use it to be, you know, part of a, they actually want to use it to be part of the family lifestyle. And I think, you know, Bob and Helen, uh, they act very suburban when they're not superheroes. And there's something about, um, you know, when alter egos act like suburban family people, when they're not like shooting out lasers and flying through the sky. So, you know, yeah, I, I love that scene too. And they, they arguing about which exit to take off the interstate or whatever. That's totally consummate. Like, yeah. Uh, family life and then like fast forward like no more than like what like a minute into the film and then they're having like lovey dovey talk as far as a couple yeah they moved on from that moment i'm like yeah that's that stereotypical married couple right there <laughs> yeah there's a lot of implied romance in that kid's movie mm-hmm. that's the that's the couple we all dream about is that our parents are superheroes and the second one is that we wish that they would work things out and work together as a family unit and I think Bob and Helen, they do that really well. Yeah, I, I love how um, both partners in the relationship are willing to make sacrifices to make their, their family work, whether it's, you know, letting uh, Helen go off on her own or, you know, sacrificing time at the table to teach Dash how to do math. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, think it's, it's, I think it's a wonderful dynamic of what a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody wants to get their dad to be that patient that whenever he's about to, 
fall asleep that the, the baby slaps him in the face and wakes him up so that he like uh, keeps the uh, keeps the TV on or whatever it is. <laughs> it's such a funny moment. <laughs> the baby slaps him and keep him awake. <laughs> good one, good one. Yeah. You have a not well known superhero company. <laughs> kind of an indie group. Yeah, yeah. Tell us yeah, about yeah. them. Yeah. Lewis and Clark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a low hanging fruit here. I mean this definitely I don't think anyone's gonna be like, yeah, like what what are you talking about? Um you found out on your chair. Yeah, I don't think they definitely. I think Lewis and Clark are successful. I've never seen or heard. I don't know. I haven't read all the comics, but I haven't heard of a movie come out where they actually they were like shown as far as like breaking up and not making it work or anything like that. And so, I mean, it's. I mean, it's just. I should say, as far as I go, I think definitely I, I chose one as again low hanging fruit. Lewis and Clark, Superman, and uh, Lois destined for each other, written for each other, and uh, Lois definitely knows about you know eventually knows about Clark, you know Superman's powers, and uh, you know of course she's okay with it. Um, give someone for him to confide in, um, keeps him grounded. So then day he doesn't feel like, you know, I'm an alien. You know, yes, I can have love. Yes, I can feel part of the human race. Yes, I can have the experiences that everybody I'm saving at the end of the day can have. And, um, and so that makes me feel like I belong here. And I, um, you know, and that further grounds him as far as like wanting to, uh, to fight for us on Earth. Excellent. Now, Adam, mm. you, you went a very special route. And I'm I sorry. did. Very appreciative you did this, but now you have to tell me that there's a movie based on this so that I <laughs> I will get it right now, full price. <laughs> well, so um, part uh, partially of the hopeful is with uh, the, the announcement of James Gunn's new uh, DC Universe and seemingly uh, we'll be getting some new Bat Family storylines. And part of those Bat Family storylines of the New 52 is two of probably the most, probably the, the newest, most beloved DC couple in Nightwing and Oracle. Um, and, uh, you know, Nightwing, time and time again, is, you know, it, as much as, like, Batman is portrayed as this pillar of strength, um, Nightwing is 100% the heart of DC. And I think he... 100% represents what it means to be like a hero and what it looks like to sacrifice and what it looks like to um you know to 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 love and to persevere through suffering and I think Oracle also known as Barbara Gordon aka Batgirl um has you know a, a similar inner strength right going through being paralyzed by getting shot by Joker and you know coming back um you know from that the new storylines but yeah no just the, them together it just it gives me the warm and fuzzies and uh i i'll wait for them to uh to be on the big screen um uh together and i i'm excited to see what james gunn um what james gunn does uh but uh yeah i guess in terms of um like on tv i mean i don't think it i think there's tons of um you know examples of their relationship on on tv and like these made for made for movie or uh, straight to streaming not straight to streaming servers but like a lot of the bat family sort of stuff that gets released um animation wise uh you can kind of see this uh relationship sort of this is this is in my hopeful not only and that I think that they have a real shot of making it work, but also hopeful that we get to see in the in the real world that we get to see this relationship blossom on the big screen in real time. It be on the lookout, friends. Hmm. 
Yeah, but then I opened up the Batman family. I was, I was actually really excited. That was one of the things I was like, oh, wow. I was really excited from that announcement. I was like, this is going to be sweet. If they uh, play a card right, I'm really looking forward to that. Nightwing and Oracle is a lot more wholesome than Nightwing and Starfire. An, an alien that admits that she hooks up just because she thinks uh, she's always wanted to try it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never tell that card from the gate. Yeah, definitely. That one definitely not. Definitely yeah. a relationship. <laughs> Anyways, that was the positive side. Let's look at the oh, negative yeah. side. These are nine relationships we think don't belong. These people don't belong together. We don't think it works. We think it's all. Uh, it's against all nature. And I'm going to go right ahead with mine. Beauty and the Beast. Belle and the Beast is based on Stockholm Syndrome. A large brooding monster steals a woman, traps her in the castle, and she has no, no hope but to fall in love with him. Why? Because he has singing Tupperware. Why? Because he has a nice library. Why? Because he doesn't yell and thrash sometimes. There's nothing good about this relationship. And every counselor and parent would tell this girl to run. As long as she could run. <laughs> yes, because she's locked in a building against yeah. her will. Yeah, wrong feeling, except the West Wing. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that's all I have to say about. Bell and the Beast. Mm. Takes some kind of special woman. Actually, like, yeah, thoroughly, yeah, she wants to, like, yeah, to endure. I feel like, oh, a man that needs rescuing. So, yeah, they had to introduce that rose to kind of, like, yeah, to break the plot line. Otherwise, you'd be like, run, girl, run, run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Aston, you have a good one. Yeah, I did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, uh, because... Yeah, they're definitely, uh, um, it's a facade uh, from the jump. I mean, they're actually yeah, nice, essentially, assassins, um, skilled operators of what they do. And um, and you can kind of see them portrayed in their uh, service and stuff like that, uh, as far as their skills at handling things. And, but they're actually, uh, they're competing in the same job, um, competing in the same assignments, um, totally oblivious to it. So they're living like double lies. So they're living lies. Um, they're living a lie in a lie. It's almost like they're living the lie of a marriage because they're not being honest with each other. And they're living a lie to each other within that lie of a marriage because they're actually like not telling each other what they actually truly do for a living at the end of the day. So they actually can't just talk about their day and have the little nuances of a conversation with each other about, you know, what's bothering you? Oh, this is what it is. You know, that there's little things that, that that make you feel connected to someone. Those, you know, there's admitting those vulnerabilities, admitting these is what words mean, you know, admitting this is what bothered me today. You know, this is what I'm struggling with. There's things that, you know, that we would open up to somebody about. Let us let us in. Um, they're not doing that to each other and so and that's like that's the deepest stuff right there that makes relationships work it's not the physical stuff it's actually that that emotional connection and um and they're not they're not providing that for each other and so i think they're just yeah they're definitely doomed it's they're not going to whatever they're they're doing is just going to be if anything exists between them it's going to be something a physical um event and that's all it's going to be mm. yeah you know, protagonist and female lead get into a wild and crazy adventure, which brings them together, is no proof that the rest of their years are going to be wedded bliss. No, I don't, yeah. I don't buy it. I think they try to give you a happy ending, but I don't, I don't yeah. buy it. No. Like even Han Solo and Princess Leia, they had to have quiet days where they had to act as a cohesive unit, not taking down an empire. Yeah, they had to have days where they cooked dinner together. Had the days where she said, Han, you want to take out the trash? It's full. Okay, oh man. Hey, Leia, do you mind like putting these titles away and stuff like that? Yeah, it's just, there's all one thing. 
new things like that. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam, please share yours. Man, this is this is going to be a controversial one, but Tony and Pepper Potts. I mean, I first and foremost not a fan of Tony Stark in the MCU. I I think you can fully blame everything that's happened up to this point in the MCU fully on Tony Stark's shoulders. I think every, you know, Civil War, every movie that he's in, he makes a decision, a selfish one, that affects other people negatively. And then just because he, you know, saves New York City from a nuclear attack that he initiated, uh, (laughs) just somehow gives him a free pass. You know, I I Love You 2000, okay, tugs at the heartstrings, but, you know, it's, you know, it, 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 it's it's window service to a deeper problem, and <laughs> I I think Tony Tony only ever loves one person, and it's himself. And uh, I don't think, you know, eventually, kind of like Tom Brady, he would have gotten bored of the married life. He would he he would have to get back out there. He would have to go back on his promises. And it was only a matter of time uh, before he left Pepper. And you know, in the comics, you know, they they don't even end up together. Uh, the in the original comics. There's like this weird love triangle between Pepper Potts and Tony Stark and Happy Hogan, and uh, she ends up with Hogan, <laughs> with Happy Hogan. So oh, I thought you were gonna say Tony ends up with Hogan. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, it, it just blew my mind, and I, I don't know. Uh, Pe- Pepper's too good for him, and uh, yeah, I think eventually, um, you know, Tony's true nature, I think, would would win, would win through. So. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, all you fanboys and girls out there, but no thank you. Well, now that you mentioned it, the hardest pill to swallow in Endgame is that Tony could settle down in the woods and have a wife. Right. That just, that seems like, the, like I can swallow the time travel and I can swallow, all, you know, Thanos' moves, but, you know, Tony and Pepper settling down. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I guess the one, that was really fun, the one time he actually showed, I guess, some semblance of like non egoness is like, you know, as far as non selfishness and stuff was whenever and he was blaming himself for, uh, you know, for the kid, for Spider Man. Yeah. Father figure uh, to Peter Parker, you know, and I botched it, you know, I, you know, I, I screwed it royally, you know, I, I, you know, I cost that kid. And that was the, uh, the one time he showed like, vulnerability as far as like you know got outside of his own head and his own ego yeah yay redemptions um but speaking of your doomed relationships i got this relationship off of an article i read their relationship does not work because of a a psychological need that women have for their mate to have uh, diversity in facial expressions and reactions. And having a, a mate that is like so stoic, that says everything's from such a rational level without any excitement or any opinion is actually like, it could drive someone into depression. You know, when they're, you know, they're saying your, your dinner was honorable, honey. You know, <laughs> not, not putting any inflection in their voice, but like, and, you know, Uhara, she's like a wildfire, you know, she's, she lives by passion and getting into fights and stuff. Um, yeah, so, that would, yeah, I agree with that one. That would be all, that would be, yeah. And the way you said it, so like, yeah, just Terminator style. Yeah. 
this meal please me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, totally ever for long. You gotta listen to the way they talk. Yeah, you can't just go around talking like that. Nobody talks that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and I, my two cents is I, I just don't think that on Spock's level, I, I think Uhara and, and humans are just too expressive for him. I think he would get annoyed real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always has to explain himself and he has to walk back his, I don't know, he has to walk back his blandness and bluntness. And you know how hard it is to say, oh, uh, I was actually scared. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you like get that promotion at a job or whatever, and you come home and I'm so excited. Let me tell you what's happening. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to slap I'm, him. I'm seeing levels of excitement. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Asin, I believe you have a classic relationship that won't work. Yeah, baby and Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like off dirty dancing. Yeah, the reason I picked this one was because like I think because uh I think it's a it's a totally like a summertime romance thing. Um, because like he is teaching at this place, uh, he finds interest in her because um, she's a substitute. Comes along and you know they start. He's teaching dance stuff, and she begins to learn the numbers and learns choreography. He sees that like you know dad doesn't approve. Now it becomes a challenge because now he wants to okay you know I'm teach this stuff. Your dad doesn't approve. Now I really want to teach you. And so they start going to get a big dance at the end. And so he's accomplished the thing. So it's like you know okay now we accomplish this goal as you know a, let's say a couple. And so we've done that. And so. But now what? Now that that's over and stuff like that, I just didn't really see any kind of foundation that they could work off of because they met in circumstances as far as like, well, let's just get together. And if you're in the street and you got to learn these numbers and you got to learn this stuff, well, my dad won't let me do it. Okay, well, I'm still going to teach you anyways, and we'll get your dad's approval. And so it's like, it's like teacher-student kind of relationship rather than, I don't know, it's kind of like peer-to-peer relationship. And so that's why I just kind of felt like, yeah, I would feel like after like the summer was over, he would get bored and he'd be like, okay, well, you know, I mean, I'm really not feeling anymore. I mean, you know, the campers have moved on or people have moved back for the summer. So, you know, I'm kind of ready to kind of move on and go, go do my next thing anyways. So I didn't see that relationship having legs to it. Yeah. And that's not tainted by the fact that they actually didn't really get along uh, on, uh, on set at, at all, really. That much either. Watch the documentary and says, yeah, they, uh, they had, he was frustrated to no end with her. <laughs> he always took it like serious. And she was always giggling, cutting up and stuff. And there's actually one scene in the movie, actually, where he runs his hands down her arm and into her armpit. And she giggles and cuts up. And you actually see uh, his face. He gets really frustrated. And that actually is like a live take. And that isn't acting at all. He's really, like, pissed off in that moment. Ah. That is good to know. Uh, Adam. You have one that'll drive our viewers hungry. Um, yeah, I got Katniss and PETA, and I, uh, yeah, they're, they're a disaster. Um, I, first and foremost, I don't know if Katniss ever really loves PETA. I mean, I, uh, uh, I read an article of just, uh, an analysis of, uh, of their relationship, and, uh, there's a couple of spicy quotes that I want to submit to the, to the judge and jury. <laughs> um, but, uh, the first quote is, Katniss never really treats Peta as a true partner on her own level. Um, so, like, throughout the books and the, the movies, she never fully discloses information to him. She never fully trusts him to make decisions. She's always the one that's kind of, like, telling him uh, what to do. 
Um, and uh, secondly, uh, another quote is, uh, Kenneth isn't looking for love. He's looking for survival. Um, she, you know, throughout the books, that in order to, uh, you know, to, to win the Hunger Games in the first place, she has to present themselves as, you know, star-crossed lovers. To survive in the second book, she has to continue that facade. So I don't, I don't know if they ever, you know, they truly, they truly love each other. And um, I think the the biggest nail in the coffin for me is that, um, is that, you know, Katniss always lives um, her life through her own truth, and she she always is she never hides that fact. She never doesn't tell you know her truth. And um, I don't, at least to my knowledge, she she never says or does anything that says yeah i i love you Peta," um mm. other than just a a you know to play you know to play lip service to this relationship that they have and i don't think that that's their fault right they live through this traumatic experience and they they have like what they think is yeah. love but i don't i don't know if you know down the road that's really <coughs> what they what they have yeah i know i always felt like that the whole movie is like she never sees him as her equal and right. so that's why she never provides him you say respect maybe or never takes him serious. Yeah. No for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's like those relationships in World War Two, you know, the soldiers go and liberate the town and you know, the the girl the, the ladies in the town, they're so thankful because they've been through so much PTSD mm-hmm. that of course this hunk of man looks like the someone you want to love forever. Yeah, McDreamy. So, yeah. Yeah, the relationship is based on an intense PTSD that does not need a wedding ring and needs a counselor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that and a hard pump of brakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, my last one, and this does not give Zoe Saldana a break at all, is <laughs> Peter Quill and Gamora. Mm. Um, because they are a test case of a relationship through a career. Because, you know, they're both kind of bounty hunters. Um, but, you know, how dating just because you have something in common, um, there needs to be more. The fact that the movies don't show them having chemistry, they're more like an odd couple. And the fact that Peter Quill has, like, this debilitating psychology where his brain is literally stuck in the 80s. And he can't move past that because of the traumatic event of losing his mother. So he kind of lives as someone who will never grow out of the 80s. And the fact that Gamora has this intense hatred for her family, for her ex, for her foster dad, Thanos, and having that hanging over the relationship and having Peter with his, a.k.a., you know, planet ego, his hatred for his father, putting those two things together with all the trauma that they've been through and the fact that the movies do not show them with any... Like chemistry, they're just like opposites attract. I'm the fun one. I'm the serious one. Um, I think that in Endgame, where the Gamora knees him in the crotch, that should have happened in the first one, and it should have been over with. Yeah, yeah. I think Peter Quill is definitely one of those kinds of guys that fun to date, but you never want to know. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's great at a dance party. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, he definitely needs to work on himself. I'm sorry, Peter and Gamora shippers. I, I don't mean to sink your boat. It's just the psychology does not work out on paper. Yeah, and you know, poor Zoe Zendaya, Z- Zandala. The, how do you say her last name? Zaldana. Zaldana. You you hit her twice in a row. Yes. 
And her only crime was wearing green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mike, how could you? I know, I know. She can't have any fun. All right, Aston. This one is it has my name in it, so I feel offended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's going to be a lucrative career, but tell us about Magic Mike. Yeah, I say uh, dream relationship is anyone that dates Magic Mike. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the at the movies, Andrew, the one that's about to come out, I mean, apparently he's not had a relationship work out in any movie, even the first one. And actually, he, there was potential there with the, uh, I don't even know her name, but the little girl. Um, I think it was like, when is she trying to date it? I don't know, I can't remember. This is a movie again. I put this one in her and she developed this one. That's all I'm being advertised on every out that I see on TV now. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I just like, I just don't see like any uh, Magic Mike ever actually truly settling down and buying happiness or anything like that. He seems to just be like uh, Mr. Lover Lover. So, yeah, I just don't think it. And then, I mean, now he's dating like guy uh, in this next movie, uh, Selma Hayek, I think it is. So, which I mean, Julia Roberts really hides her age really well. So I guess they're making the, uh, the age gap look like, you know, not look kind of like that's your mom you're trying to like date. So, well, I mean, they're trying to make it work. So I guess they'll figure it out. Movie magic. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of older women go to those types of bars. So it's the only pool yeah. he can date from. Well, you, I guess you're Magic Mike also. So you, I'll, I'll trust you as a resource that, yeah. Right. Yeah, after you're doing that. So. I actually said, you know, I need to get into this role. Can I interview you? And I said, ah, yeah. It was an old career, but yeah, you told me, a lot of older women are going to be there, so it's not going to be right for the young women. Yes, watch out, <laughs> Mister. Uh, you know Tatum. There's yeah. a lot of old women in this career, and you, know, yeah. you want to steer clear of them. Incredible. <laughs> All right. For now, we'll call you Magic Mike. Yes. Oh, believe me. You got to move on, Aston. Get in line. Is at least four people long. Long and very handsome. Very oiled. <laughs> too much baby oil. <laughs> and speaking of too much baby oil, Adam, you are gonna end with your relationship. I I feel like mine progressively got more and more controversial, and I don't know how this happened, but. I got Troy and Gabriella from High School Musical. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought it was Troy from the movie Troy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, not Brad Pitt. Yeah. I thought you were no. going to talk about Brad Pitt. Yeah. No, we're talking about High School Musical. Oh, man. Oh, I thought you were going to give us a Greek lesson. Uh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But uh, for those of you that haven't seen High School Musical, it follows the career of Troy, a handsome man played by uh, the always wonderful uh, Zac Efron. Um, But he he tries to balance his life between being in the school musical and uh, being the star basketball player and his girlfriend, uh, Gabriella, and, you know, the the ups and downs of a high school romance. And, you know, this is doomed to fail. I mean, Ask anybody, you don't, you know, when you're in high school, you you very, very rarely end up marrying the person that you're with in high school, if at all. Uh, you know, it's it's the person that you are at 16, 17, 18 is not the person who you are at 25. There's just so much growing. And, you know, that it, 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 even in the movies, it seemed like the two of them didn't have a whole lot in common with each other other than being, you know, good looking. 
And, uh, you know, it's only going to get compounded. You know, Troy's going to, you know, get a Division One basketball scholarship, you know, and he's going to move halfway across the country. And, you know, Gabriella is going to get a nice little art scholarship to this, you know, small community college and uh, or, you know, a big university. I don't know what, what art colleges look like. And, you know, they're just going to have less and less time for each other. They're going to meet other people. They're going to, you know, drift apart and they're going to come back for their 10 year anniversary. They're going to look at each other across the room and nod and, you know, go back to their lives. You know, they, they, they just grew apart. And, you know, uh, just say like, hey, Adam, it's just a movie. You're reading too much into it. Hey, this is my analysis. High school relationships don't work. And, so you know, Troy, yeah. tr- you know, they're, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, uh, Troy, uh, Troy seems like uh, he's, you know, he, he wouldn't be too faithful in a long-distance relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now, I'm sitting next to Peter Parker, and he's weeping. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what you just said. Oh, wait, wait. He already lost his, yeah. Yeah. He's he's a point in case. You know, you fall in love in high school, you're going to have to force the world to forget your name. Right. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't see, I don't see it working out for the, uh, the high school sweethearts. Oh man. Well, that closes that. So that was a riveting talk, guys. I really like that. That was good. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, definitely. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yes. We don't have anything from the mailbag, so we can close out. Okay. It's, it's been a joy. Uh, this is episode number 10 and we are going to go to the second week. Love actually? A notebook? I don't know. Troy? Troy. <laughs> the, the main <laughs> character in Troy named Troy. <laughs> that blonde girl. Um Helen. Helen. Troy. <laughs> Troy and Helen dating. <laughs> and Brad Pitt's jealousy. And then we'll have like a little vignette where Mike talks about his magic Mike career and like he's, and oh, the old women he's met. met. Yeah, that's a yeah. Patreon episode. And yeah, uh, it's just me talking for an hour, naming candid detail after detail. Yeah, uh, yeah, just oozing. Yeah, with the entertainment. <laughs> oh boy. Well, hopefully, uh, the next time we record, I can we can also maybe talk about some exciting Marvel stuff that's coming out. I'm I'm, I'm excited for Quantum Mania. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. that other comic team. I wonder how they're doing. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Anyways, thank you, our beautiful listeners, and you know, for being a part of Film Logic episode ten. Um, give us your questions in the Discord. Um, ask as many questions. Uh, give us as much fodder as possible, and we'll put it on the show if we like it. So, yeah, or give us comments, feedback, or anything like that. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us what games worked. Tell us that we're full of baloney. Bologna. Yes, yeah. and uh, you know. I've been Mike. I've been Adam. And thank you for joining us in Film Logic. Goodbye. Night, y'all. Dun dun. <laughs> oh, still trying to cancel. <laughs>